Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. In the second installment of Road to Terminator Genesis, we're discussing one of film history's greatest sequels, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. In addition to massive Terminator franchise spoilers throughout, we also managed to toss out minor spoilers for The Rundown, Predator, Avatar, Jurassic Park, the X-Men character Mystique, the Furious 7 trailer, the San Andreas trailer, our friend Josiah, and Friends, Season 6, Episode 7. Okay, this is Episode 2 of our uh, Road to Genesis miniseries, appropriately based on Terminator 2, or T2, as it is often called. So, uh, in this episode, we have myself, Josh, and then Tyler is here again. Hello. Patrick is also here. Oh, hi. And then right as we were about to hit record, we looked out the window and saw Mike walking by, walking his dog, and we called him up. Yeah. And so Mike is here. Thus, I am here. <laughs> That's true. That actually yeah. is exactly yeah, what happened. this is exactly how it played out. <laughs> um, Let, let's, let's clarify something, though. Since Mike just came into the room, he didn't get to watch the movie like the rest of us, and so his memory might be a little... A uh, little fuzzy, a little hazy, spotty, spotty. Yeah, how long has it been since you've seen this movie? Well, which edition was this? Because if this was special. like the TBS oh. special edition, <laughs> dang, it's got two additional scenes. Is this the one with this? Arnold's face or without Arnold's face on the motorcycle stunt? Oh, I don't know. We'll get to that okay. in, in a little bit. <laughs> so but it's been a while. Since to be clear, it's been you, a while. Have, you have seen T two many times though in your life. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. I was just on the way in the elevator thinking of like, when's the last time a movie had multiple specials on TV about the effects? Yeah. Never. Yeah. <laughs> never. <laughs> Every movie never. that comes out now is like, yeah, that was uh, better looking magic. than the last one. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh-huh. not four two-hour specials about it, though. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's a great uh, – so but let's, let's talk about the special effects thing. But before we do that, I want to – stay consistent what we did last time which was to begin by very briefly kind of saying what your experience was seeing t2 because we've all seen it prior to today obviously. right for the first time yeah so why don't you start us off tyler um i'm pretty sure i said something similar in the last podcast uh i grew up watching t2 i feel like most people have uh, i wasn't super familiar with the first terminator i think i watched it after watching t2 um but this one yeah it's definitely part of my childhood i always enjoyed seeing um schwarzenegger as the hero yeah terminator yeah rather than the villain which is weird Mm -hmm. when you're used to seeing yeah and all the all the great catchphrases you know yeah yeah can't beat them those are the things that you're always repeating out on the schoolyard of course can't beat them with a stick hasta la vista (laughs) what about you what are you battering uh i also grew up watching terminator 2 uh I said this in the other podcast, but it was one of those that uh, one of the first rated R movies our parents let us watch. My dad muted some of the parts where Sarah Connor were going her rants, and uh, it was one of it was one of those weird things though. Like we had the posters and the toys and the trading cards and like all the movie books, and through that, my dad was like, "Okay, well, you guys are obviously obsessed with this. I guess you should watch the movie." And then we watched it. So it, it's interesting that that was such a manufactured toy line and all these things for kids for a very rated R movie, you know? Yeah, it's very rated R. T2 is a uh, a bit of a cultural phenomenon at the time. Obviously, it, we talked about last time how it, it eclipsed 
the original by far. Yeah. But yeah, that's I remember having an awareness of it long before I had seen the movie and there were like there were toys. I think it was I remember reading once that maybe it was second to Aliens as the first R-rated movie that like generated a toy line mm. for kids. Oh, well. Um, it had, uh, we had, yeah, the T2 t-shirts and trading cards and all this stuff and without having actually seen the movie before right. you go and see. What about what about you, Mike? Uh, I know I saw it in the theater uh, and I think I was just with a friend and it wasn't a family event. I actually was looking... Uh, since I wasn't part of the last the the Terminator podcast, I had to look at the date on it because I couldn't remember. But honestly, uh, <laughs> all of you guys know my history with movies and how my parents just didn't shield me from rated R. Took it other than other than the fact that I was four years old when it came out, I'm pretty sure I didn't go to it. So, <laughs> you <laughs> but I might have seen it. The Termi- Terminator yeah, in '84, re- yeah. exactly. So did I see it on VHS? I feel like I did because I remember uh, almost being scared to see the second one, but then realizing, oh, this is not scary at all, but then it's really violent. But anyway. Yeah. Do you know how – I mean, you guys have probably talked about how scary the first one was, but it was yeah, terrifying. Oh, it's it's yeah, way yeah. darker, and uh, there's there's nothing lighthearted about the Terminator. T2 has lots of comedic – relief and kind of upbeat moments. We talked about how the Terminator just turned into a horror movie at the end. Yeah, it really is. The final act of the the stop motion and all that is just horrifying. Yeah, so this version I remember immediately getting out and being like, I'm ready. Round two. You know? So. Yeah. Good times. Now round... T2. You know, 42, whatever. So a lot of our conversation uh, last time around the Terminator revolved <laughs> around... Uh, let me say that again. A lot of our conversation last time revolved around some of the datedness of the Terminator in 1984. Uh, obviously, stands to reason a movie made in 1984 won't necessarily feel like the most current thing in the world, but some of it feels very dated. The purely synth-driven score and like the fake head when uh, he's <laughs> working on pulling out his eyeball and all that stuff and the stop motion at the end. Um, so one of the big things that was remarkable about T2 when it came out was the advance in CGI. Uh, it was a big improvement. Right. And, you know, this is two... I think it, we said it came out in 91, right? Yeah, 91. So this is two years before Jurassic Park, which was kind of the game changer for CG and movies. Um, and ILM, who Industrial Light and Magic, who did the special effects for T2, won an Academy Award for the special effects in T2, which mostly consists of, like, you know, the liquid metal yeah. stuff. And that's uh, all you need. Yeah. And, and if Jurassic Park was like the game changer, this was leading to it for sure. Because at the oh time, yeah, yeah. this was like blowing everybody's mind about, like Mike said, just special after special of that dang T-1000. Yeah, I did a social science fair project on Jurassic Park and how it changed special effects. And <laughs> in my limited amount of like research available to a kid in 1993, in fifth grade or whatever it was, I remember taping an HBO special about ILM and how Terminator 2 was what gave them the confidence to even pitch to Steven Spielberg. We think we could make a dinosaur mm. um, <laughs> because they had, you know, done this Silver Surfer guy that we moves think through we bars. Could make a dinosaur. <laughs> That's what John Hammond said too. But you know, oh. when you watch it now, because of the limitations on the CG and because they were uh, probably lacking in confidence to go overboard, it's still surprise. A lot of it really stands up now because they don't go overboard with it there's still so many practical effects in the movie yeah. and 90 percent 
everything except for him moving through walls and changing shape is practical stuff, right down to like right. the blood and mm-hmm. the, the gore. Or so the, the T-1000 is the majority of the special. Right. Things. And there's like a couple of little things that really stand. The, the moment I always think of is when Arnold does the flip off of the nitrogen semi <laughs> and he like spins on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> like, he break dances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, so good. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of jarring yeah. but uh other than that the amount of care that they had for like it's kind of exhausting to think about what it must have been like to shoot this movie because there's so much fire so many explosions so many like semi truck and motorcycle chases and things you know stunts with motorcycles jumping off of off ramps and things like that with trucks flipping over and helicopters driving yeah. under over that helicopter pilot was amazing yeah yeah he's he's driving under overpasses with that thing yeah and obviously nowadays we would just you just fake all that in a computer from the ground up but you know look at the trailer for san andreas that's where we're at now it's like (laughs) you look at it and you know none of this is even remotely real sure at all but this is like one guy has a camera in a helicopter chasing another helicopter as it goes under an overpass with real fire, real explosions. Even the like every gunshot in T2 has a squib full of blood. Mm-hmm. So if someone gets shot in the shoulder and you see blood explode out of it, those are a huge pain on movie sets because that means they have to reset it, clean it up, change his shirt. Yeah, get it they, right. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, now they'll just be like, oh, what's this fake that? Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. Like not just for the CG, but the visual effects from the ground up, the prosthetic like face uh for the t-800 as he's getting more and more wounded throughout the movie all that stuff's pretty dang cool way to go james cameron yeah it was a significant improvement this was made seven years later right so he had a lot of time to to improve the production and i think he did did very well with the special effects some of it's a little laughable now but for at the time it was pretty amazing yeah but i'm disappointed in some of the practical effects Maybe because audiences weren't noticing things in, in detail, or maybe because we saw it in high def, but there were certain occasions where it was clearly not Schwarzenegger on that motorcycle. <laughs> that's the and biggest. Like, that's they, the biggest <laughs> they had some like grown adult pretending he was that kid. Oh, on yeah, the dirt bike. on the dirt bike. <laughs> but let me say this, because there's kind of a, an urban legend. I've never been able to uncover the truth about it, but I remember as a kid watching T2 and that moment where the... <laughs> The T-800 jumps the bike off of the overpass down. It's like really big and slow-mo kind of. Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid being like, that is n- the farthest thing from Arnold it could possibly be. It looked like some fat guy with a round head. And it was like the most <laughs> gratuitous shot ever. And I hyped it up. And other people I knew that you'd find out they love T-2. Like uh, one of our early conversations with friends, Mike, we talked about T-2. And he's like, how about that guy jumping mm-hmm. that bike? That was yeah. not Arnold. <laughs> but then we went back and watched it like a year after having a ton of those conversations. We're like, it actually doesn't look that bad. Did they change it? And we can't figure out if we embellished it in our minds or if they've act like done a George Lucas. I think they've changed it. They had to have changed it because we... There was a moment where we paused it, remember? On yeah. this DVD, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were like, that is, that's my <laughs> yeah. dad doing that stunt right hey, now. That's no, not him. I don't want to yeah. cause any disrespect to that man, and we should Google him up. Because that is the stunt driver? insane. Yeah, that's what that they've got did. amazing oh, stuntmen. Yeah, they're the unsung heroes in this movie. <laughs> and he's got no helmet on. None of those <laughs> what stunt is drivers. He doing? Anyway, yeah. but that, that was him and not Arnold. And um, Now it looks like. But it looks like they put Arnold's face over him. Yeah, 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 they must have. But at what point? I want to know. Yeah, did be, they wise up? There's got to be versions out there. Because there was a, that became a subtle thing 
it must have been available to them because this is a little known thing about uh, Jurassic Park is actually that there's a scene when they're moving through the vents toward the end of the movie for evading the raptors. And uh, Lex, the little girl, falls down through mm-hmm. the grate and she, the stunt double, accidentally looked into the camera. Yeah. So rather than reshoot it, they noticed it in post and ILM was like, we think we can fix it. And they put the girl's face over the stunt doubles um, because that. she deliberately looked into the... So at the time, it was like, oh, you think mostly they're just making dinosaurs, but they were realizing, man, there's like a lot of little things they can do. Same same uh, CG or visual effects studio. You'd think that they might have been like, right. God, we need to fix that guy on that motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they were so excited to go back into all the old Star Wars footage and just hack it up. Oh, yeah. And boy, did they. <laughs> just the absolute freaking pieces. But yeah, special effects. Yeah, those uh, those stuntmen were amazing. Though there was one guy who jumped off of a moving semi truck and then rolled. It's like that had to have been super painful. There was there was no, <laughs> there was no mats. Yeah. There's no mats. He he had to literally have jumped <laughs> off of a moving semi truck and roll. <laughs> like uh, I also noticed that some of the uh, the visual effects they. It's not necessarily that the technology was all that better, but they just realized maybe we should be a little more sparing with some of this stuff because there's a couple of fake heads in this movie too. There's uh, the scene with the twin, or the twin, the actors are actually twins, but with the uh, kind of schlubby security guard who gets impaled through the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a fake head of his, you know, the, the T-1000's finger going through his eye. But you only see it for a couple of seconds, um, and it's it's not all that obvious. How was, uh, the, uh, how was the stepmom, or the foster mom's, head in high def you're talking about the foster dad he's the one who gets yeah sorry <laughs> that was my rewind sound i think it i mean it looked like it was just really him they shoot him from the side so yeah. it's easier yeah, to right. fake okay uh and then that when arnold's kind of advancing on all those police officers in the lobby of the cyberdyne office up. and he's getting all blasted you see a fake head a couple times but right. it's really fast when you're thinking if they had enough sense to do this now with way more money and way more advancements yeah. in technology, why in the world do you get three minutes of <laughs> staring right into that awful fake head in the Terminator? Well, he, he had seven years of learning. That's true. What do you think he Don't did in the, the time head? between? Well, he made more. He, he made aliens during that time. James yeah. Cameron, aliens. Mm-hmm. So whatever he did in that seven years really helped him grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, there was a learning curve clearly involved. So let me ask you all this about the actual effects then. Okay, this is what I think that they must have done. Um, I don't know who approached who with the idea. So you have molten metal. And, okay, get the getting this really hard um, CGI, just getting one aspect of it and then melting that the whole time. You know, meaning like, okay, if you get one thing down, and then we can just do that, milk it for the rest of the movie, and then that's all you care about. That's what every special was about. Every every aspect of the movie is just that. And uh, I'm trying to think like any bad. Okay, so uh, the sh- schlubby uh, security officer. This poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> he made a little bit of green off of it. Um, you know, so it it he comes up from the floor. Yeah. And in in my mind, it still <laughs> looks good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how bad it just looked to Not, you guys, but it didn't you know. look awful. It's just more the premise is a, a bit more silly. It's, like it was silly. he just became the floor. I'm yeah. kind of yeah. why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like he didn't feel <laughs> so he matched the 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 tile texture and like flatness of that. 
But he, it didn't look like he was spread out all that no, much. No, you're right about that part. He would have had to been like all the way down the hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be that thin and match the texture of the But, pork. you know. But we don't know uh, the he rules of what he can do. All on the wall or something We know a little like bit that. about well, the Well, I'm rules. saying about the actual um, size of the molecules that make up him. Well, he can only replicate things of the same size. Yeah. He says specifically. And it can't be complex machinery. Yeah. Nothing yeah, but it didn't say it couldn't be much smaller. No, because he specifically same asked, that why doesn't he just become a pack of cigarettes at one point? Oh, and Arnold he has to take up the same amount of mass. So he yeah. has Sorry, guys. I just walked somewhere. in here. I don't <laughs> even know they, what we're talking about. They also determined that he can only <laughs> replicate things that he's physically touched. Right. So when that security guard walked over the top of him as he was pretending. Yeah, that was it. Floor, yep. Yeah. Then he could then he could morph. Into so he was just shrub. tricking him, you know. He but here's like, here's a question I have. Him. And it came up while we were. Here's a question I have that came up while we were watching the movie. And it's the exact same question I have about Mystique in the X-Men franchise, which we can talk about later. It, it ends up copying T2 down to the exact detail. Uh how is it that the T-1000 is creating clothes? Because right. he can't form machinery and everything, and yet he is... I would buy it if the idea was like, it looks like clothes, but to touch it, it's not. It's metal. But it's clearly yeah. like he has clothes. How is he making clothes? You know, when Mystique sh- changes shape in the X-Men movies, like, I'll, you know, she reorients her molecules or whatever it is she does, and she becomes someone sure. else. How does she make clothes and glasses and all that stuff? Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, no one has an answer. I don't think we'll solve that one today. Yeah, we, we asked that question when the, he walked out of the first explosion and then recreated his police uniform. Right. I'm thinking, what, well, how, how many times what? do we see? Does, do you see it blowing around other than it looks soft? It looks like clothes. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess the actor is wearing clothes. Yeah, but we don't know that it's not metal. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Do we? This week, I mean, he doesn't yeah, like take, he doesn't like no. fan his shirt. We don't or anything. see other than the fact it, that it looks like clothes. Yeah, though. we don't see them. That's the future, at all, do we? Do we see what the, the clothing? No, no even when he gets shot, it exactly. takes on the like exactly. the explosive texture right. of that. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, I guess I guess I can accept. We don't like to see anyone interact with his clothes directly, no. but he does. No, no we do because Arnold grabs him by the shirt a lot. Really? No, it's more like yeah, he's just grabbing him by the shoulders or arm. He doesn't pick him up by, by his collar. No. There, there's constantly where they're no. like heaving each other around. Yeah, but that was shoulder throws. I, I think I think Josh is right, but I don't remember him grabbing him by the collar. No, anything. we never see anything like that. We'll have that. to go back frame by frame. And Let's that, start right now. <laughs> and that editing is so fast, you're never going to pick up on anything like that. The, I'll pick up on it. If he gets transported through time naked, we see that in the beginning. Right. And then he copies the first police officer he comes up against. Yeah. Why does he pick this officer to be his kind of like stationary guy? Yeah, he keeps going back to that officer. Yeah, even yeah. after he's become other people that that might have been more advantageous to stay as. Like it, toward the end, he's like Sarah Connor. He's trying to fool John. And he keeps changing back into the officer. Mm-hmm. I, it would make more sense to me as it, if he came through the time warp like the silver surfer looking guy. <laughs> right. And then the cop is the first person he saw. He copied him and then maybe he chose that as a stage. But he yeah. came through looking like this other guy. Yeah. Well he just copied his uniform. He didn't look like Oh the that's guy. true. I know. And I think he just kept the uniform because it was a police officer and it got him very far in his mission so he just kept That's true. It was that. advantageous for him to have that cop car as Everywhere like the he best went, possible person. Yeah. He kept he kept remaining a police officer. Yeah. yeah. And it 
it really helped. He got everywhere he needed to go because of that. So the other thing I wanted to talk about was the nature of sequels. Obviously, it's a big old topic, but I think that just to hone in on this, T2 is largely held to be one of the best movie sequels ever made. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is just like people just love it as a science fiction movie. Um, the other thing is what we talked about last time, which is the fact that it totally eclipsed the original. In fact, it's eclipsed the entire franchise. If you right. read what's going on in uh, press about the new movie, they keep talking about, like, we understood that the benchmark is T2. We know that audience want to see something as good as T2. Even Arnold will say, like, we T2 is the reference point. We're going off of T2. Um, so not unlike, like, The Empire Strikes Back or... Uh, last year's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It's one of those times where people were into the first time around for sure, and then you get the second installment, and people are like, "Oh my gosh!" Or like the Dark Knight versus Batman Begins. People, right. it seems to like take on a life of its own, independent Sequel's of the just franchise. Significantly better. Yeah, I think that if you ask a lot of people, "Have you seen Terminator?" They're going to think T two. Right. And a lot right. of people will won't even realize that there's four other movies. Yeah. Well, yeah. right now three others. Are certainly not that there's one prior to T2. They probably just think, oh, Terminator, that is the one with Schwarzenegger as the hero. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure most people would be surprised to think that Arnold was a bad guy yeah. at one point. They would probably always think that he's the good Terminator in all yeah. of them. Well, how about the, the thought of, like, as sad as it is for people that enjoy uh, movies as a whole, sometimes the, the sequel needs to be so strong that it just takes care of the whole franchise. You know, just like say Terminator 2 you have a movie that really it can take care of the whole thing and then the people that are invested or being like well I want to see something that's just as good they're going to be disappointed but it doesn't matter the people that are into the franchise can see past it you know yeah yeah I, I, T2 speaks for the franchise right right unequivocally the the thing about that's interesting is that James Cameron and his co-writers somehow find a way to not necessitate a viewing of the Terminator, but also completely utilize everything yeah, that it, was noteworthy in the original. Yeah, it restates all of the significant points from the first one. Right. Yeah. Sometimes frame by frame. Yeah, or verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's really interesting to me because if you have seen the Terminator, then there's all these, there's like a bonus. Uh, in your experience because I did not see the Terminator first but now I'm trying to put my head inside someone who has just watched the Terminator which I have watching this one they play with so many of the thing, the like concepts from the original like uh, it takes a long time for you to realize that the T-800 that Arnold plays is not the villain this time in fact, they purposely make it out to be like uh, the the voiceover you get in the beginning says that they, this, they sent a protector and they sent, they sent a Terminator. Two. They yeah. sent two Terminators and two protectors. Right. And you don't know who's who. And f from all intents and purposes, it seems like Arnold's the bad guy again. He goes into the bar. He manhandles everybody. Right. He kills some people. He takes his clothes and he's on this mission and it's not until they get into the hallway of the mall or the back of that arcade yeah, they're or whatever both holding guns over john connor's head yeah right. and then there's all of a sudden a turn and mm -hmm. the, even the way that they like chose a police officer who's kind of like uh, not now but at the time was more of a symbol of like a public servant or someone who's out to like protect the common good not now not now <laughs> certainly this is, this is not a political podcast oh boy. <laughs> well no let's just yeah. call a spade a spade uh, but but there's even like the T-1000 kills somebody right away. 
Well, yeah, but the funny thing about so that is so you don't uh, you, you don't see it. They both did, so yeah. you really don't know who's good or bad. And yeah. the, but the T one thousands kill quote I'm making air quotes happens off screen. He like goes up to the guy, and it looks like he might be punching him or something, and the guy just goes oof and falls down. You don't see him get impaled or anything like that. Mm. And I think that was on purpose. Sure. Yeah. Like you don't, he doesn't need to seem too menacing just yet. He's going around saying, "Hi, have you seen John Connor?" Yeah. And even the first shot of the cop car pulling up, the camera like lingers on serve and protect, as if they're trying to sow these little subtle seeds of like, "Oh, this is a good guy," just so they can pull the rug out from yeah. underneath you and trick you, which is great. But that's not necessary to bolster your experience right. of the movie. So it's like he was writing that line of like uh, going off of what he already started, but also creating a viewing experience unto itself, which is really... seems like there was two subtle hints about the previous film, if people hadn't seen it, to know that Terminator, Schwarzenegger, was the bad guy. Because in the very beginning, they talk about how they sent two Terminators and two Protectors, but then they also show... Uh, photographs from when Schwarzenegger attacked that police station in the first one. Right. right. And like he killed this many people and then you're thinking to yourself, well that's weird, isn't he? What's yeah. going on? Those and, the viewers must have been confused in that moment. And then Sarah Connor's afraid of him initially. Yeah. So then you have to be thinking, oh well uh, there's there's some sort of complicated past right. here between these two. Yeah. And there's still like and it's even the same body type, like the small framed white guy. The Kyle Reese and the T one thousand look similar when they come out of the beginning. Right. right, so they would to contrast Arnold's yeah. like oh, stature and awesomeness. And I wonder sexiness. if anybody True felt that. that though. You think True the trailers that. for the original viewers were like pointed out this Arnold's the good guy, so no one was surprised at that point. Maybe I don't know. We should maybe we should have watched. They the kept trailer. the reveal for that hallway. Yeah, that would have been cool if they yeah. if they because I can't imagine that, that they, the trailers didn't like show didn't Arnold protecting any of the know. footage. Yeah, yeah, of they didn't the show rest any of the, of the film. Movie. <laughs> they could only just explosions. Show yeah, yeah, they could hide it. You could hide it with stuff. trailers. Must have been different back then. Well, they obviously were, they were different. Yeah. They were basically clip shows that just yeah, ended with a menacing voice saying the yeah. title of the movie. In a world, yeah, that was pretty good. Maybe you could do some of that for our <laughs> podcast some sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it, it always starts with in a world? <laughs> yep, in a world for sure. Most stories are. <laughs> a world. Um, which brings me to another point. I think that genre movies like sci-fi and fantasy or whatever are the ones that, correct me if I'm wrong, are maybe the only ones that lend themselves to stories the potential for sequels being better than the original because you take these larger than life stories that just have so much space to explore without having to try to like ring out a story that's already been completely told. Like everything in the Terminator, which we talked about last time, it's kind of like, um, go back and listen to our previous episode. Uh, it's taking this huge concept, but then basically telling a little side story that's way s- simpler than in the future, there's a nuke right. and a huge war. And, um, so there's just so much more to explore uh, without having to, like, you know, really strain it. Something like Batman, you know, you can tell a million stories about like that. Even, like, the Planet of the Apes thing, there's just so much room to be like, what about this and what about this? So they lend themselves to the, at least the possibility that you could tell a story better than what you started with. Uh, I can't, off the top of my head, think of, like, a sequel that competes with or is superior to the original that's not like a sci-fi or a fantasy or a genre comic book type of thing. Yeah, that's hard. You know what I mean? Even like something like uh, James Cameron's other famous sequel to Aliens, which, you know, it's up for debate, which is better. Obviously, it's a lot different, and it certainly isn't worse 
than Alien. No, it holds its own. It's debate, uh, like you said, it could go either way. But it's just because, wow. Oh, looking back on it, though, you can see that it's so formulaic from Alien to Aliens that he used just the same formula with T2 and turned it into, like, a, a battle movie. Of course, that's you his. Know? That's his bag. Like, yeah. he, he's very <laughs> everything except Titanic. That's his bag. Yeah, but Titanic Two was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, it's going to be better <laughs> than the than the original. I, get it. For I sure. see what you did. <laughs> uh, something that I made note of was the you know the mini gun. Um, this is the the big old gun he uses to mow down all the police cars outside of the window of the Cyberdyne offices. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you didn't know, which I didn't, you they actually have one of the uh, extras go, he's got a minigun, you know. Right. And then I started thinking to myself, do you think that's supposed to be ironic, like those bodyguards that are named Tiny? Oh, right. Yeah. That, <laughs> or is there the, a why reason? Is this enormous gun called a minigun? Yeah. I mean, that's not Compared necessarily about T2. But <laughs> <laughs> right. A tank. You got any thoughts about that, Mike? No, that's interesting. I have a thought about it in a, one of the <laughs> most <is>. recent. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Trying to Google. <laughs> one of the more recent Furious movies, uh, the big reveal in a trailer is that The Rock is carrying one of those guns mm-hmm. like Arnold did. Yeah. That's it? That's, <laughs> that's it? your thought about it? That's my thought about it. That's, that's not really well, what well, well, happened. Well, what, see, what we're learning here is that Patrick loves The Rock. I do <laughs> love The Rock. He is great. He's no Arnold, but he and Arnold share a special scene in... Which one was that? Walking Tall? The Rundown. The Rundown. Oh, yeah, The There's Rundown. There's a cameo, mm-hmm. Arnold cameo while he was in office, which is great. So, so fun to see. Um, I also had another question about that this is going to, I think, have a lot to do with um, what we're getting at here was building up our anticipation and curiosity for Terminator Genesis, which is... There's this really chilling element of T2, a moment where Arnold's describing how it is that Judgment Day actually comes to be. Because in the Terminator, there's no talk of Judgment Day. You just know that somehow in the future, the machines take over. And they right. kind of leave it at that. Is there a sp- do they mention the specific date? They the do in one? T2, not in the, f- not in the first, first one. Right. Not that I recall. It's more just like somewhere on the horizon yeah, this, this is going to happen. But there wasn't a specific date right. or time. Well, this is technically called Terminator 2 colon Judgment, Judgment Day. Day. Yeah, so it's super specific. They know exact date. They know who, you know, Miles Bennett Dyson is the gentleman who's responsible for building a CPU that goes on to become the source of automated uh, military weapons and drones. And uh, again, we're looking into the future at this point uh-huh. in, in 1991, was it? 91. Yep. 91. Um, but the, the thing that was so scary is Arnold says that there's a specific moment, a second, when Skynet, which is the system that controls all the weapons, becomes self-aware. So it goes from being like a learning computer. It learns so much that it now has a consciousness as an actual artificial intelligence. So I thought was always a really scary thought. Like it clicks on and then immediately takes measures to, you know, exterminate human beings. So they later go on to say that Arnold's model, the T-800 or the, you know, Systems 101, Cyberdyne Systems Model 101, um, has a learning CPU in it, but it's got a limitation or an inhibitor on it until they switch that inhibitor off, and then he starts to learn more and more and more. Does the T-800 become self-aware somewhere across the span of that movie? Because he goes from being, you know, kind of super stoic and uh, emotionless and flat to learning how to smile. He starts to make jokes. He, like, even at the end, hugs John and all that he, stuff. He says he knows why humans cry. 
Yeah. Yeah. But then he says, but he he can never do it. I'm yeah, like, why can't I, you? I think that that's interesting because like we're learning he could get there because Cyberdyne or Skynet knows that they have to limit it so he doesn't become self-aware. I don't think he got there yet. But maybe, maybe he was on the way. Maybe he was on the way. Well, you know, that scene that we're talking about, they open up his head, they take out a chip. Have you seen this version of the movie, Mike? It's one of, like, two long scenes that's been lifted out. Yeah, I do remember that. And uh, they switch it on so that he can start to learn, um, which always, I mean, I understand when you're you're trying to, like, exercise uh long scenes from a movie to make it that run was faster. Bad to take that out. It really doesn't bad. make yeah. any sense. Because then you're like, why is he smiling? Why is yeah. he doing these things? It just comes out of nowhere and it seems freakish. Exactly. It makes so much yeah. more sense for them to explain why he would go from that to learning and smiling and cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think without that, they're, they're just saying, you're learning. Because John keeps saying, oh, you're learning now. And he's like teaching him throughout it. And they well, never sure, talk about that he has an inhibitor. So... You're just assuming that he's just learning as he's being around people. No, it's so much more clarity. It is, 100%. But How long was the scene? It was, I don't know. It must have been like a five-minute. Three, minute, four minutes, yeah. yeah. Three, four, five. That was so in Dyson's <laughs> house, right? <laughs> no, 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 that's where they stopped at like an abandoned garage, in mechanics garage. When oh, when they're taking up. the bullets out? Yeah. That yeah. was where it was? Oh, yeah. okay. There's, okay. A, there's actually a moment during that scene where there's conflict between John and his mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she wants to destroy it. Yes, yeah. Um, he wants to put it back in. He pulled that, I'm going to save the human race card on her. Yeah. You better listen to me, You mom. better listen to me, Come mom. on, yep. mom. These are orders. Linda Hamilton, who also, if you haven't seen The Terminator, she's, we we talked about last time, a very, like, feminine and kind of, I don't want to say prissy, but she was like, ew, a gun, you know, <laughs> in the original Terminator. Yeah. Very pretty young lady, and now she's like, it's the hey, first shot of her. Ripped. She's doing chin-ups. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Love that. Her bangs are just ridiculously too long she, in her face the whole she's time. She's so intense the whole she's film. She's so angry and upset. And, uh, you know, James Cameron's married to her at this point. And do you think he's like, man, I'm going to write a script where my wife is like <laughs> so angry and mean and ripped? <laughs> and ripped. I thought that she got to work out. I thought that she ran weird. Yeah, Tyler commented twice. Uh, a lot of arm movements. Yeah, <laughs> her arm kind of curls. Me, as what was that episode of Friends? Who can't jog in front? Yeah, Phoebe. Phoebe. Thing, yeah. Phoebe. Yeah, Phoebe. Same I, thing. This is funny. I made a comment about how she runs weird, and Josh said, "You know, Phoebe loves it." Yeah. Yeah. So all hey, arms. Great minds think alike. <laughs> I guess. Um, so, but the that that element of him being able to learn, even the scene where he smiles. Uh, where John's specifically like, hey, look at this guy smile. He tries to smile. It looks really ridiculous. They cut that out of the theatrical version as well. But then it makes so much more sense when he lifts the minigun in the basement right. of that uh, storm shelter or whatever it is, and he turns around and smiles, smiles. out of nowhere for the first time in the movie. Like, yeah. oh, I get it, because he's learning. He's learning, yeah, because he had tried to smile earlier. Yeah. I learned what a minigun was. Did you look it up? While we we can, you can edit this out, but I just read it. <laughs> you well, just read it. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the smallest caliber of that type of gun. So that's why it's the mini version of it. The smallest caliber of what type of gun? Of a rotating cylinder gun. Oh, okay. So a, g- a gas-powered gun that rotates. And so it fires up to 2,000 to 6,000 rounds per minute. Good grief. That's a, that's lot, a lot of rounds. That's a lot of rounds. <laughs> that's why they're I think we can to all helicopters. I think we can all agree that that's a lot of rounds. That's so it's not ironic. Rounds. It's not like the bouncer named Tiny. But um, it's just all about context. Let's cross over to another Arnold movie for a millisecond, so I can reference it. It's really called a Gatling gun from Predator. Sure. 
and uh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, he's the one who takes down a whole forest with it. <laughs> yes, he does. So anyway, <laughs> and then the at something hits the predator because it, you know if it bleeds out of those six thousand rounds, bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> anyway, he can't dodge them all. Yeah, so um, I hate to say that this is the high mark of of the series. Maybe not for the podcast. We're going to continue to make great right. podcasts. My <laughs> God, my God, they're going to be fantastic. But for us, for our viewing experience, we're about to take a significant dip Yeah, with Terminator right, 3 and, and Machines. That is not to say anything negative about the other movies except for the but we will we will say some some negative things i know but this, this was such a high mark that almost anything following it would yeah dip it's hard a bit. and as great as this movie is it's got a lot of cheesy writing in it of course i would say this is james cameron's best movie he's okay ever let's made. end with that conversation <laughs> let's end with that conversation but it, there's some of the writing is is a, is a little lame uh particularly a lot of the like more emotional scenes where she's ranting and raving about the end of the world and she's yelling at that uh, psychotherapist Mm -hmm. and she says once the bombs drop you're gonna need two million sunblock yeah it's like (laughs) come on anyone without two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day if you know what I mean (laughs) yeah well who's sitting in the room writing that line and says yes this has gotta go in the film What's, and Not what's funny million, about that is some million. of the cheesy lines are supposed to be comedic and they come off as cheesy. That was supposed to be serious. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it was it was laughable. And this is pre-Titanic, so James Cameron is still very awkward and fumbly with his romance writing. So there's a deleted yeah. scene with uh, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese. Poor Kyle Reese. He, got he cut gets out of the cut movie. out of the movie yeah. altogether. But... Uh, where <laughs> they're still doing the I loved you, I always have thing, and on your feet, soldier. Yeah, he says, get on your feet, soldier, <laughs> and then she wraps her legs around him. Yeah. yeah. It's, she didn't listen at all. No. Still a little fumbly. <laughs> but yeah, some of the some of the writing felt a little lazy. Some was cheesy. A little, The rest was lazy, but we kind of forgive it because it's all based so strongly on the first one. Because there's a lot of lines that are just lifted verbatim from the original. Yeah. Which I, I get, but it, I felt like they probably could have done a little better, but... When, when Schwarzenegger, who is trying to convince Sarah Connor that he's on her side now, he says, "Come with me if you want to live," which is exactly what Kyle, yeah, said to her when he first met her in the original film. Are you saying that's cheesy? That's a great. No, I, I feel like it's it's good, but like they they just follow the same formula from the first film. So a lot of it really is built on top of the first. Yeah, film. This, this movie wouldn't be as good without the first. It's film. super self-referential. Yeah, but that's the. If I feel like it hasn't gone completely overboard with the self-references yet. By the time you right. get to, you know... Uh, Especially Salvation. Terminator Salvation. It's just like every reference that's ever been made in a Terminator movie has to be echoed in some way. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I only saw that one in the theater, and I don't remember it being terrible. Oh, we, I don't think that it's terrible. I'm just saying, like, they're shoehorning in all right. the quotes they possibly can. At this point, you, the only really overt things you get is come with me if you want to live which it happens in the exact same moment in the same way, which is in a way pretty cool. And then the, the I'll be back happens again. But at this point, it's not even a cliche yet because it's not like forced in. It's, it's in a scene where he probably would have said, I'll be back. And he doesn't say it like the exact same way or anything. So it's just kind of like, Oh, neat. He said the same thing, but this time he says it as a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So James Cameron's uh, best movie. I'd say, yeah. I mean, obviously T2 has a, a, a special place in my heart, he may have <laughs> made a lot of technological advancements since then. 
And I like, I th- I can't really think of a James Cameron movie that I just flat out don't like. Tyler's got strong opinions about Avatar, but I like Avatar. Right, because Terminator is a is a story that other movies are ripping off. Yeah, but Avatar is a movie that's ripping off other stories. Well, you know, ripping off, influenced by homage, <laughs> 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 whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of funny that. James Cameron, who holds both number one and number two spot for the highest grossing films, both domestically and worldwide. Uh, one of those is Avatar, which seems like a very James Cameron movie to look at his yeah. filmography. And the other is Titanic. Why did, why, did, why did he make Titanic? I mean, Titanic's a fine movie, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. It seems uh, like he made Titanic because he loves deep sea diving. Right. Well, I mean, always back to that. He just wanted a reason stuff. to go film like that. <laughs> yeah, he just played into his love for being underwater. I mean, is you know how everyone has that like one weird thing that they're into, like, man, this guy sure does love Disneyland, <laughs> like our friend Josiah. <laughs> yeah. Josiah. Not just Disneyland, all Disney parks and anything that might ever have happened <laughs> or will happen. <laughs> just, just with in the parks connected with yeah, yeah Disney parks. Um, James Cameron, other than deep sea diving, which he actually like goes deep sea diving and yeah. film yeah. stuff. He's made documentaries of himself. right. I think maybe it's that and the Titanic. Like, he's yeah. just like that guy is a real Titanic buff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it worked out for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of the main things about doing this is to look forward to Terminator Genesis. We, we have no idea how they're going to work out all these details about time travel and why Arnold's old. We know that it's living tissue, so it ages, I guess. But is it the same one? Is it a different one? Alternate timeline? We don't know. But I we did like learn that's this the movie. biggest question here. How can they have an old robot? Right. The world wants to know. But we, we said this yeah, last we time. we go over this every <laughs> time. We explain still it to you and you just won't. <laughs> you said it. You asked that before we filmed the podcast or recorded the podcast. You asked during the first one. You're asking it again. I don't think you're buying it. <laughs> I just need to get to the bottom of this. I think Terminator 2. Has, We've, has, we're at the bottom of it. Yeah. We are absolutely. So, Terminator 2 has explained it the best so far. Yes. He's a cybernetic organism. Right. When Let's, he says on the film. He has an existent power cell that will last him 120 years. Right. Yes. Sure. But okay. there's living tissue that On heals. Top that, that heals, yeah. Yeah, and they did mention that. When he got shot, it, it, he said these bullet holes will heal. Right. So it's not just sitting there. It actually He is didn't alive. say it at a certain rate, though, did he? No. No, she just said, asked. Will you heal? heal? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah. Why? Do you have some skepticism in there? Well, I would want to know. They must have... They would think to develop some sort of system in his skeleton that would induce healing on the outside. I mean, um, you know, we have systems that do that for us. Well, so. he he does. His skin, his tissue heals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The tissue on the outside. The tissue heals. in and of itself is it flesh flesh like like yeah. ours? No, it is. It is living. It tissue. is yeah, living, living tissue. tissue. Yeah, but ours we have this all this rest <laughs> the, of this the in, inside. That's, it? Yeah, exactly. So I want to know what's supporting. So I think that this power cell is supporting. Now you're digging too deep. I'm just. <laughs> I'm deep. There's got to be science here. Right? Science. Argue with that. That's a worthwhile question, not the one you keep bringing up that we keep answering. No, no, so no wait, that wait. Was, not that to, was I'll my, just have to listen to the podcast. That was I guess, my original right? question: is how can they have an old robot? And we've been searching for the answers. And I think no, we, we haven't. We have found. No, we the finally answer. found it here now. No, we T2. didn't. We said last time the same thing: <laughs> living tissue is alive. Uh, I thought they even say that in the trailer for Genesis. Don't Do they? they? Yeah. Oh, you, 
We've only watched the video. Yeah, yeah, you guys are so good. And, then I said, and you guys are good about that. So stay tuned for the next episode when Tyler will inevitably no, ask how there I'm is con- an I'm old convinced. robot. <laughs> I'm convinced. I get it. Thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or the RSS feed at youhatemovies.com.